Welcome back, guys. We are back for another week. This is the Slinging Stones podcast brought to you by the Thrive Evangelistic Ministry. My name is Andy Branham, and sitting across the room from me is Luke Troll. Luke, how are you doing today, buddy? I am pretty good, man. We've uh, we've had a few obstacles this week that we've overcome, scheduling conflicts, uh, sicknesses, and things of that nature, but we're here and ready to do it. So once again, guys, we didn't lie to you. We just don't know what's happening on our day-to-day activities list. So we were planning to get back into the Thursday routine. That was our goal. Well, then we had at our church where we record, because right now my office slash card-making room. Which, it's a card-making room. It's a card-making room. I just got a corner. Um, we Thursday we had a um, Q&A for our elder nominees that um, went to vote today. So that, that took precedent. Um, so... Luke and I attended that, and then Friday night. Um, Friday night was just tough because work schedule for you, work maybe. schedule for me, and going to you know pick up my son and all that. And then Saturday night, Luke had a little. I just I had completely forgotten that I had a previous engagement well, until there, the, it was like an hour out. And and there's that. So now here we are back on a Sunday, hammering down. So here we go. We're here. At least we're here. We're here. It, trust me, it could have been easy to let this one just ride on and just say, you know what, we're going to apologize, but we're not going to do that. Before um, we can get started, I just want to ask, how many verses do you think we'll get tonight? Uh, you know, I, I hope we start mo- moving a little quicker. I'm, um, I'm saying one. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking one tonight. You know, Luke, I'm, I'm a little bit... Um, it's almost a little bit of a, a discouragement when you when you when you make fun of my, my notes. No, you have very good notes. I'm just saying that, you know, just like there was apparently a lot to being a bond servant to Christ. There's a lot in this next. There verse. is a lot. Trust me. Um, I was I was studying this afternoon. Um, you know, got home and ate lunch, and uh, I said, my 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 ten year old, my nine year old. He goes, he goes, um. He goes, Daddy, what are you going to do this afternoon? I said, well, I'm going to go study. And, man, I hammered down, and I was I was in it, and I was like, I looked up, and I was like, I better check the phone. I probably need to be leaving soon to go meet, go here and record. <laughs> it's like 145. So I was like, oh, I can study more. So I studied, and I'd take a little break, and I'd look at my phone. It'd be like 2.15. Study, look at my phone. It'd be 2.30. And, man, I was just like, golly, this, this afternoon is dragging by like i had to go do dishes and laundry just to make time go faster but um really dove hard into verses 26 through 32 we're not there yet Uh, i'm not even done with it yet Uh, (laughs) i mean that was three four hours worth of study and i'm not even done with it i'm telling you i'm counting on jesus to get back and sit in with us and podcast (laughs) on his commentary well i'm hoping he's like i'm gonna take this over guys you guys are raptured i will take it over from here um so one of the cool things that, that we're working on and and apparently I keep screwing up is getting the proper cording and wiring to try to make us uh, the opportunity to do some phone interviews and all that. Um, I'm not an audio technician. I don't claim to be, I don't want to be because from what I deal with on this front, it is, um, it is very difficult. 
uh, people tell me all the time, like, man, y'all sound really good. I'm like, yeah, that's all luck. Look, that's that's straight up blind, dumb that's look, straight up confetti in a hurricane look right there. <laughs> so, but um, but no, we're 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 blessed. Uh, we we really um, really this week has been challenging in multiple ways, and what I mean by that is, you know, you can roll and you can find yourself in a very very good um, predicament. Um, you know, your motivation into the word and all that, all that stuff, your, your motivation and your prayer life. But, you know, sometimes we, we, and it slides and sneaks up on us. It's, it's a, man, I'm so busy. I just don't have time, but you know, you're, you're doing, you're doing nothing wrong, but you're not in God's word and you're not in prayer. You're not going out and cussing and drinking and doing all sort of stuff bad, but you end up turning around the next thing you know, like, man, this week has gone by and I've been, and if you think about it, I have been a failure to step into God's word and step into the presence of God with, and my, with every day as I need to. And, you know, I've found myself, uh, two or three days in a row, just going, man, I just don't have time. And that's it. That's all, you know, and I've, I've said it on here. That's not an excuse. So, and, and we have to watch it. We have to, that's why we have to hold each other accountable. Now, Luke and I talk every day, and most of the time, Scripture does come out. We, we, we talk, you know, we talk our faith, we talk our walk, everything that you could talk about with a good friend that's going to hold you accountable, we talk about. Now, there are some days, Luke, I don't ever get, to, I don't even get to talk to you now because it's just, it's, it's pretty busy. Um, so that's my challenge. My challenge is is prepare for your week. And we're going to go into Scripture here in just a second. I just want to kind of throw this header out there. Um, how do we prepare for our week? Um, I was talking to Luke um, earlier. You know, a lot of times on Sundays, we have a men's Bible study here at our church on Sunday night. Um, and it's the men, it's the malls. It's the one we promoted um was it last week we promoted it? Last week, week before. Yes, yeah. last week. So, you know, we promote it, and a lot of times by the time we get home, it's it's kind of late. It's 8, 8.30. We're tired, ready to go to bed, ready to get, you know, to bed and get the week started. But here's my challenge to you, anybody that's listening. Let's take the opportunity to plan. Let's take the opportunity to look and see what our calendar shows, see what our day shows, and try to – what. Um, an old boss of mine said, "Add more purple to your Put calendar. More in it. Put more purple and purple. His purple on his calendar was royalty. It's Jesus. It's God time. So we, um, you know, when you look at your day and you look, even dictate it down to, hey, I'm going to text this person on this day to make sure they know that I care about them and I'm praying for them. That's important because if you put that on your calendar, most of the time when that reminder hits you, you're going to be like, yeah, I need to do that." But if it's not on your if it's not on your reminder, you're gonna sit there and be like, "Well, I'm not gonna do that." Um, so it is um, it is unbelievably important. I thought my phone was ringing for a second. It was. It's so unbelievably important to plan our day and to give ourselves a structured time frame. So, with that being said, though, let's uh, let's get back on point and back on course here. Luke, I'm going to ask you if you'll pray us in, and then we'll get started with Scripture and just our our slinging stones today. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come for you today, Lord, just thankful for the day that you've given us. 
thankful for all the things that you give us, Father. We're thankful for creation and thankful for, Father, I'm thankful for the written word that we have. I'm thankful for the cross and the sacrifice that you made there, you know, for, for faith, for grace, for mercy, and most of all for your son, Jesus. Father, I pray that the words that we read today be illuminated and the meanings behind them magnified, Father, that they just stand out and they jump off the page and that your Holy Spirit just comes down and speak to each one of our hearts, each one of our minds. Um, as your as your word says, he who has ears, let him hear, and he who has eyes, let him see. Father, I pray the ones that need to hear, hear, and the ones that need to see, Father, that they see, and that includes the two of us. Father, thank you for my brother Andy. I thank you for his friendship. I thank you for his devotion and the work that he puts into this podcast and uh, and all the the things just, he just pours into himself out of his personal life and his spiritual life. Father, I'm thankful and grateful for all those things. I'm just thankful for his friendship and his brotherhood. All these things we ask in your son's holy name. Amen. All right. Amen. Um, so let's get started. We're on verse 22. Um we we are slowly but surely making our way down the first chapter line here. So okay, we may make two verses. Tomorrow. We may make two. So but that's let, only because this first one is a <laughs> sentence fragment. Well, let's go. Let's go and just dive in. We're gonna we're gonna read um, twenty two through twenty five. That that way we can kind of get a full um, sentence fragment, as Luke said, a full scripture, and then what we can call a paragraph. So here we go. Um, verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And 23 says, and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images, for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. 24 says, therefore God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So we see, you know, men at this point, you know, Paul is talking about men have become prideful and turned away from God. And this is a sad scene here. Men are doing several things by rejecting God. Man's claiming that he is too wise to believe in God. And then he's that too intelligent to depend upon the fables of the Bible. He's too capable not to look to self. He's too resourceful not to create his own world and future. So we, you know, you talk to people that don't believe and they have their, their take. And, and I, and I tell you what, let's go, let's go, let's take it a little bit further. Not only, not only do the, the ones that don't believe, you know, always have these best arguments for creation and why they don't believe in everything. But, you know, it can even go as far as the people that say they're believers yet rule out scripture as why that they can do something that they're doing or they start validating themselves on why their sin is not a sin. You know, I, you talk to people, well, I, um, you know, I drink, you know, I, you know, I drink or I, I, you know, I watch this or I self, I, I, I self, um, stimulate, you know, it's not a crime. It's, you know, God, God's fine with it. They make these concessions for God. They start speaking on behalf of God, which 
ultimately is wrong. It is 100% wrong. Um, you know, in Scripture, it says denying God, men make two mistakes. Men profess themselves to be wise, but in doing so, they become fools. Why? Because God does exist. And he has clearly revealed himself both in men's thoughts and through creation. Therefore, when men's hearts and minds are emptied of God, men have to fill their hearts and thoughts with something else. They have to, they have to create other gods. They have to, you know, find this. They have to get this guiding light or principle to give purpose and meaning and direction to their lives. They have to replace God with something else. They have to have something, some standard, some law, some rule, some person, some God by which they can guide their lives. And there, and there, when men dethrone and erase God from their lives, they imagine and create their own God. And that's a little G within their minds. And we're going to go deeper into detail Men reason and speculate about the ultimate source of life and whatever they come up with, whatever they come up with is that to which they give their lives. When I say they, when, when I say they create their own God, that is exactly what we do when we create an idol. When alcohol takes over or porn takes over or any of these things that take us away from God, that's, that's us subconsciously creating our own God and we worship it. When you're addicted to something, you are worshiping what you're addicted to. That's another form of addicted. That's worship. So, you know, the guys that must watch something, must watch that video, or must have that beer, or must have that drug, or must have that, you know, instinct to go see another woman. It's, it's, it's those things right there that are in our minds as other gods. We've created that little G God. In our mind. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Luke. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, it reminds me, verse 22 reminds me of something that, you know, I've heard a million times by multiple different people. It's one thing to let people think you're stupid. It's another thing to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> um, professing to be wise, they became fools. Yeah. You know, these, these people that, and I think, I, I would venture to say that everyone's been guilty of it at one time or another opening your mouth about things and, you know, acting like you know more about it than you do. And the people in the room that are in the know just sit back and kind of look at you and wonder what kind of moron are you? You know, God does the same thing to us when we, when we pervert his word. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's easy to justify anything that you want. If you pick apart, if you piece together bits and pieces of scripture an eye for an eye, well, if you just, if you just, you know, an eye for an eye. If you do just read that one, you can justify anything. Um, spare the rod, spoil the child. Depending on the context of how you read that and the punctuation you read that, it can be. It can mean, you know, uh, well, the Bible tells me I got to beat on my kids. Or you can take it the complete opposite way because you didn't read the rest of it. Uh, it's telling me that I should spare the rod and I should spoil my child. What you're doing there is you're perverting God's word, and the one that you're magnifying and glorifying and idolizing at that point is the enemy. Yeah. Well, you know, in Isaiah, excuse me, I got a frog in my throat right there. In Isaiah 29, 14, it says, Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with wonderful, with wonder upon wonder, 
and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. In 1 Corinthians three nineteen and 20, it says, For the wisdom of this world is fully with God, for it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. Verse 20 says, And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Men exchange the incorruptible, incorruptible God for some corruptible idol. Um, there's four facts to this. A, number one is God is said to be incorruptible, which means non, non-decaying, imperishable, unchanging, and unaging. Incorruptible means that God is not subject to passing away. He is eternal. God has always been and always will be. God will always exist. Number two, men swap and exchange God for corruptible man. That is for the image, the idea, the thought that that man is his own God. Men swap God for humanism. That's what we call humanism. They make themselves and mankind the gods of life. They, the makers of their own destiny, the masters of the world, the law givers of their own laws, the determiners of their own morality, the standard by which their lives are to be governed. Number three, men swap God for corruptible creatures. This is usually the worship followed by the non-industrialized and non-scientific societies. I like that I used multi-syllable words. I mean, I'm impressed. That's why you've got your shoes off, I'm sure. That's why I got my shoes off. I'm counting toes over here. Counting syllables. Counting toes. Um, In the world, we can see God. It it is Paul's argument, and it is completely valid, that if we look at the world, we can see that suffering follows sin. Break the laws of agriculture, your harvest fails. Break the laws of architecture and engineering, your building collapses. Break the laws of your health, your body suffers. Paul was saying, look at the world, see how it is constructed from a world like that. You know that God, you know what God is like. The sinners are left without excuse. We have to watch out for idolatry and selfish desires. So if we break God's law, we got ungodliness. You're going to collapse. Your spirituality is going to collapse. Well, you see it. You see it every day in the world around us, the, the, the collapse and the moral decay of the godly fiber that our nation was founded on, it's in trouble. I mean, it's not just in trouble. It's on life support, and there are people not just with their finger on the switch, but there are people lined up to snatch the plug out of the wall and kill the power source. Um, You know, and it's because the authority of God challenges everything about their own free will, haphazard existence. Their I love me way of life, their step on everybody to get ahead theology and mentality, it challenges every bit of it and 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 it and it makes them vulnerable and it makes them have a weaker appearance. And people don't like that. Well you want to look at you want to look at how men have created, have gone into this corruptible God. Look at and 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 it's unfortunate, but look at some of the ways our churches are backing into this woke America agenda. By, by utilizing and supporting alternative lifestyles that are not supported in God's Word. They're allowing leadership that can sit in this thing and be somehow validated in God's house. So you want to talk about a corruptible world? We, there are people allowing it in God's house. 
And it's and it's unreal that we are not, that it that it's stated. And if this fly don't get off me, we are going to have problems over here. When you allow, and all right, I, I'm 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 fixing to I'm, I'm fixing to open up a See, to I, some. I did it two popular, weeks. Here he comes. Some some will find this a popular opinion. Some are going to find it unpopular. Are, are we going to get canceled? This this may be the one. <laughs> I'm not afraid. When you invite an openly gay man or woman to perform via singing, playing an instrument, or preach behind your pulpit, you are in direct violation of God's word and God's law. When you have a church body that it's easier for a pedophile or a thief to be your treasurer or your head pastor than it is a deacon, something is broken. You have perverted God's law. That is that failure that you were talking about. The woke culture, this leftist agenda, this mob mentality is never, ever, ever, not only what our founding fathers who were Christian, um, they had that they didn't have that intended for our nation, but that is not what God had intended for his people. God never intended for man to lie with man, nor for woman to lie with woman. It was just the opposite. God built the foundation of this world on his principles was one man and one woman. I don't care what you identify as. You can identify as a grasshopper, and I can see you out in the field eating grass, and I'm still going to know you're a person. You can tell me that uh, your pronouns are the, them, they, and their. And if I see you that you're a female, I'm going to refer to you as ma'am because that's what God tells me to do. And, you know, the next part of that is, is people want to jump on this. We've got to, we, we've got to love the sinner. Yes, you love the sinner, but that doesn't mean you openly embrace the sin. Amen. When you openly embrace the sin, you've invited the enemy to come sup at your table. And the Bible preaches specific condemnation for people who do that, for people who openly, knowingly bring the enemy in and invite him in for dinner without confronting him. You're going to pay for that. Well, you know, and and we're going to move into verse twenty four. You know, when we look at when we look at the key words here, it, it's it's very difficult for a lot of people to see in verse twenty four when it says, "Therefore God gave them up." And a oh, lot yeah. of people, and a lot of people are thinking, you know, <laughs> well, where's this loving God that, that 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 will never give up on us and everything? Let me let's explain something real quick. When you ultimately turn your back and deny God at some point, if you ever came back to him, he's going to forgive you. He's going to forgive you your sins because if you'd make a life-changing effort to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to be able to come back. But he's not going to keep but trying to bail out a sinking ship. Exactly. So when men's sins force God to give up men and abandon him, there are two strong reasons why God gives man up. Number one, man chooses sin over God. And when he does, two things happen. A, man becomes enslaved to sin. Sin actually, sin actually stirs more sin. The more a man sins, the easier it is for him to sin again. At first, he may think of committing the sin. But later on, after committing the sin over and over, he seldom gives the sin a second thought. Sin looks good, tastes good, feels good. It is attractive, and it satisfies the flesh and urges the men. It satisfies so much that a man is naturally attracted to it. By sinning, he steadily, he, 
He steadily makes himself a slave to sin. Sin becomes that terrible master. Sin becomes that ultimate bad slavery that we're that you can think of if you close your eyes. You have to picture yourself in a life raft. Yep. You're in a life raft and there's just a handful of people there with you, but you're in this vast ocean and the ocean around you is sin. Mm-hmm. It looks great. You don't have any water in your boat. The only water that you get, you're counting on the rain coming from the heavens. But that water around you looks so good. It looks so refreshing. If you could just drink a mouthful of it. But what does salt water do to you if you're if you're the stranded hi- at sea? Dehydrate you. And it causes you to do what? Want more. Mm-hmm. And then you want more. And then the next thing you know, you're dead. You're dead. And whose fault is it? Is it is it God's fault? Is it God's fault that he gave you over to sin? No, it's not God's fault. It's your fault for for taking for, for partaking in it to begin with. You made that choice you chose that's the thing that's that's the word that people don't like to 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 take personal accountability with their own actions yeah, is exactly. they can't put these two words together exactly. i chose i chose god did not force you to commit adultery god did not force you to steal he did not force you to murder he did not force you to be a liar or a womanizer or 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 you know, all of these things, God never forced anybody into that. They chose it. The door was open and people are walking down the highway to go to hell hand in hand while trying to sing Kumbaya. And it just doesn't work that way. Well, number two on this right here is that sin always lies. Sin entices claiming pleasure, stimulation and happiness. But in reality, it destroys a person. It destroys, it destroys a person and it's and the person's body, profession, family values, um, mind, future, friends, will, life, soul, and happiness and hope. A terrible tragedy that is so often forgotten is this right here. We are not islands. We are not islands as humans, as people. Our sin involves others. Our sin destroys others, as well as vice versa. Sin may look, taste, and feel good to us, but it always involves and influences others. It hurts. And it dooms our children, spouses, friends, and society. When, you know, and we, we, we go to a, the other number two, because that was the subset number two. This is the back end of the set number two. Man abandons God, actually turns away from God, and God and give, gives God up. God has given man free will. That's exactly what you were just talking about. We choose. And if a man wills to be turned away from God, he can. You know, we, we look and we sit, um, we sit back and, and we, we, you try to, you know, put in your mind, where does sin involve sin? You know, this is the whole point why the body of Christ and accountability is so important. You may have tough conversations. I have tough conversations with Luke probably once a week, and he has tough conversations back. It's the same thing. Is your circle of friends, are they good influences or bad influences? Are they keeping you to being the best you can be? Are they keeping your Christ-likeness accountable? Or are they just letting you go with whatever you want to do? You know, when your influences are of the world, it's got a problem. 
when your influences are of the church and of Christ, you've got a solution. So we've, you know, for those that are sitting in perpetual sin, that are sitting in a habitual sin, that are sitting in, you know, almost like they feel like a doomed situation. Because ultimately, here's the here's the funny thing is deep down, when you commit a sin, let's just say you sleep with that other woman. You drink and get drunk. You get high. You watch that video. You do this, you do that. Deep down, whether you know it or not, whether if you're aware of it or not, there is a guilt factor in there. You have a guilt because you know you've done wrong. The morals and ethics that have been fabricated or, or built in the fibers of us as, as, a, as a human race and society are still there. You know you've done wrong. Doesn't matter how you've been brought up. Doesn't matter what lifestyle you've lived. There is a sense in you. Now, however you've numbed it and dulled it and deadened it, that's, that's, that's where we're at on that one. That takes deeper psychological help than what I can give you. But when you feel that guilt, that's, that's not only you and your heart saying, hey, man, you, you made a mistake. You're getting an opportunity. You're getting an opportunity. I believe, I believe that, you know, that guilt is an opportunity to turn and repent, to find a way back to God, to give yourself a chance at eternal life rather than gnashing of hellfire and brimstone and gnashing of teeth. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we care a lot about some really, really stupid things. You know, we put a lot of emphasis on, let's just, let's just for fun. You know, do you put a lot of, if you're a, if you're a church goer and you're, you're big into your church, but you hear about the behind closed doors politics and everything's upsetting to you and you are so ticked off about everything under the world. Are you putting more, are you putting more on that than you are your salvation and your eternal life? You are. Because ultimately, that's what's going to keep you up at night. That's what's going to keep you from studying your Bible. But not the not the one where you got to worry that, you know, I tell you what, if I was living, when I make a mistake and I make a bunch of them, we all fall short. We all fall short. And we'll get to that scripture at some point, probably three years from now. <laughs> that's Romans 3, ain't it? I think so. Romans three twenty three or something. So. <laughs> But when you make a mistake and, and you you commit a sin, it should eat you alive that you failed your father, that you failed your heavenly father, that you are that big of a disappointment right now. It, it should make you feel like you are a straight-A student. And let's just say if you're a straight-A student, you somehow come home with a B. You know, because you're an A-B student, you're not going to – if you're a B student, you're not going to care if you come home with a C. So – um. So when we roll over into verse 24, talking about the impurity part, the word uncleanliness, uncleanness means impurity, filthiness, immorality, defilement, pollution, contamination, infection. And when men turn from God and abandon God to live unclean and immoral lives, God leaves men. He abandons them to their choice. One, the reason men are condemned to uncleanliness, uncleanliness, is because of the lusts in their hearts. 
Their hearts are filled with lust, that is, that is, passionate cravings, desires, and urges. They long after things that displease God and that dishonor their bodies. And then secondly, the result of living an unclean life is idolatry. Men changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. Two things. Two things when living in uncleanliness. They secure themselves. They, they serve themselves, giving their time and energy to their own desires, pursuits, and lusts. And then men, they serve other gods, little g, gods that allow them to go ahead and live as they wish. They imagine what God is like, and they worship him, either in their mind or in, the, or in some graven image. The point is, man abandons the one true and living God and lusts after uncleanliness. He lusts and craves so much. And I love this. This was off. I, I, I like this because this was off one of the commentaries I used. This list was great. He lusts and craves so much that he creates a God in his own mind who allows him to satisfy his lust that he rationalizes and thinks that his God understands, and these are all little G's, that his God understands and his situation and need, and that his God will not judge him for his uncleanliness and immorality. That he conceives of a God who will allow him to do what he wants. That he matches his God to fit his morals, letting his morals determine that the kind of God he is going to worship. That he twists God to fit what he wants, his agenda. And that he allows his morals to control his thoughts about God. Well, that's a pretty hard list right there. I mean, that is, and you, and the unfortunate thing is, we can look not far and we find these men. They're everywhere. Men that are sitting in church pews. This is exactly it. And I hit the table on purpose. I hope that resonated with an echo in the I was just was, I was sitting here thinking the same thing is that you don't have to look outside the church doors to find every man that you just described. Sometimes you don't have to look any further than the mirror in front of you. Well, that's hey, the scary part of it. We, we were talking we were talking in Sunday school this morning because we're we're in First Timothy in Sunday school and I'm not teaching. There's a great teacher, Bruce. He's doing a great job. But we we're talking about the overseers. And the one thing that I pointed out was you've got above reproach as an elder, right? Must be above reproach. Yes. Now, like I said, I said, you can be above reproach, but you can't be beyond it. That's right. You can be, if you're living, if you're hitting this qualification and you're living a lifestyle that is very respectable and you're living the godly lifestyle... You're still due to make mistakes. Don't be beyond being talked to or being approached to be reproached. That's where you get into that. When, when you get there, you get into that when people think more highly of themselves than they ought to. Yeah. Um, if you, and I'm not speaking to anybody in particular, I'm, I, I say you in a generalization, but if you hold an office in church, whether it be janitor or the head pastor, it doesn't matter. We're all equal in the eyes of God. Don't let that office take you away from your servitude. Um, we are all servants, and 
we're all to be humble servants, not servants that walk around with our with our noses up in the air. You know, if if we begin to think that we're above and beyond reproach, uh, I would think that God looks as us as as having pearls on a pig's neck. I mean, you know, sure, there's something pretty on them, but they're ugly underneath. They're yeah, dirty underneath. Yeah. Yeah. They wallow around in their own filth underneath because they don't do one of Jesus' commands and they don't take care of the least of these. So, you know, and we're not we're not going to go into 26 because I have a lot of Greek words that are really, really fun. Dude, I do good to speak English. So, no, no, but it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be um, it's going to be fun to the point where. If I'm going to need a translator, I'm no, going to need a no, heads up. We're, we're going to learn. We're going to learn a lot. I'm going to call Pastor David in here. <laughs> he does know Hebrew and Greek. Um, I know maybe just Hebrew. He took Hebrew. He knows how to make coffee? Um, yeah. Hebrew. Hebrew. All right. So I do want to I do want to put out this. You know, we haven't put out many verses or scripture tonight. We've been kind of talking on, on strictly on our Roman scripture. But, you know, I love 1 John 2, 15 through 17, and we're deep in the New Testament on that one. But it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So it's talking about do not follow the world. Your eternal life is at stake here. Your your salvation, you know, we can get distracted really, really easy. And it's it's funny to think that how quickly we get distracted and what distracts us. Um, you know, whether if it's your job, whether if it's the busyness of travel ball, whether if it's just summertime vacations. You know, I, I still can't. I still can't help but to just continue to challenge the fact that what is stopping us from reading the Bible? I, I read a thing the other day, and I th- someone posted it on Facebook, and it was it was a post by um, someone shared it. it was a post by Sadie Robertson. Um, you know, the Duck Dynasty, Duck girl. Dynasty girl, the daughter, and she said she was on an airplane. And I could be wrong. I could. It may not have been posted. I think it was her, though. But she was on an airplane, and this guy kept turning around and looking at her. And she's thinking, oh, it's a fan. And then he just kept turning around and looking at her. And at that point, she starts thinking, oh, well, this may be a creep. You know, this may be a guy looking at, you know, a girl. And he, I think he approached her or she approached him. I think he approached her, and he said, I've been traveling on an airplane I've been flying for 30 years and I've never seen somebody with a Bible and open studying it on an airplane. And, and, and to me, that challenged me that, that put, that put something in my heart is what is stopping us from carrying our Bible into lunch? When we go into a fast food restaurant, what is stopping us from carrying our Bible in our car seat? If you're like me, I, I, I'm, I'm all constantly on the road not not traveling, but, you know, my office is my truck. What is stopping us from reading the Bible, If if even if we're just at lunch? Are we that ashamed? Are we too busy? Because too busy is going to link into with ashamed at some point. Mm-hmm. 
Are you afraid of what it's going to cause? You're afraid someone's going to get offended? Because we should be bold. We shouldn't be afraid that we're going to be offended. Here's the next best thing. Are you scared that it's going to create a conversation where you're going to have to witness to someone? Where you're going to have to be a disciple and make a disciple? Where you're going to have to actually talk about God? Ooh, shaky. We should be fired up wanting to talk about God. We should be absolutely jumping for joy if someone goes, hey, man, I like your Bible. Can we talk about Jesus? You should be like, sit down. Let's do this thing. I'm going to text my boss. Hey, I'm going to be at lunch an extra hour, maybe three. Who knows? We should be excited about this. But, yeah, we put it off on the back burner like, oh, my God, it's a nuisance. I don't want to do it. We don't even bring our Bibles into church, y'all. That's embarrassing. Oh, well, I've got it on my phone. Come on. Are you kidding me? You're not going to look at your Bible on your phone in church. You're going to get distracted by the F for Facebook, the I for Instagram, and what, I don't know what, is there a bird for Twitter? I don't know. Text messaging. <laughs> Text messaging. It's just, you know, there's a lot of good things that can come from your phone. I have a Bible app. I have a Bible app, and I'll tell you this right now. I opened it for the first time today in probably a month. Now, let me explain that to you before you start judging me. I get an email. I get an email every morning with a daily scripture. I read the email. But guys, we are not going to be prone to open the Bible. Open the Bible app. Get your hard Bible out. Get your hard Bible out. Start highlighting in it, writing in it. Get you one that's like mine. I got some journal lines on the side. And, man, I tell you what, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll shoot him props. He probably doesn't listen, but I'll shoot him props. We got a guy at our church. He, uh, uh, our youth minister. I tell you what, that man looks like he colored way outside the lines on his Bible. Have you ever seen his Bible? It's, I'm, I'm colorblind, but I see some, some, uh, some artwork in it. But I've seen him attack his Bible. And... Listen to what listen to what I say. We went on a um, we went on our on a retreat, um, a weekend retreat. And man, I, I woke up. It was like four thirty in the morning. He was already up. And man, he's over there. He's got his highlighter and he's hammering down. He's writing stuff and he's preparing. And that is exactly what we should do. We should as much passion as we put into our weekly bowling league or our weekly pool league or our golf game. I put a lot of effort in my golf game. It's still not good, but I put some effort into it. As much effort as we put into that, as much effort as we put into working on the car, you know, on our hot rod or whatever, or working on, you know, our woodworking, making cutting boards, or working on this and working on that, why aren't we putting the same amount of passion if we're a follower of Jesus Christ into the Bible and learning about him? Why? What's stopping us? Well, plain and simple, any answer that you could give is, a, is an excuse. And I love the way that everything that you just said segued into my final point. My final point goes back to the idolatry aspect of it. Man, we got to be careful of what we put our time into. If you want to see where somebody's heart is, see what they're broken about. We've said that before. See what see what gets their attention. See what catches their eye. You know, is it sports? Is it uh, their kids? Is it their spouse? Is it their family life? Their job? You know, there's any one of a thousand million things 
that we can put in front of our service to God and our time that we owe God, not that just we should be giving, but our first fruits of God. You know, our our first fruits don't just include tithing. Our first fruits includes our efforts. It, it includes our physical time. And uh, I love the way John gives a very stern but quick, brief warning in First uh, John 5, very last verse of chapter 5. And it says very simply, little children, keep yourselves from idols. He's telling you to guard your heart. He's, I'm going to say it again. He's telling you to guard your heart. Watch what you put up on the mantle with God. There shouldn't be anything to the left or to the right of that, much less in front of it. Everything should be second shelf. God and your service to Christ should be top shelf, top priority, above anything else that we do, because ultimately nothing else in this world is going to matter. When, uh, when, we, when we cash in our last check, is anybody going to remember me? My family will, but when I get to heaven... That's who I want to remember me. I want the Lord to at least kind of give me a side-eye glance when I come through the gates of heaven. <laughs> he don't necessarily have to jump down off the throne and high-five me and chest bump me and say, welcome, let me show you around. Um, but, I, you know, a little side-eye glance would be great. Well and there's done. only one way to do that. Yep. Well done. You, you, you got to meet, you got to meet him. You've got to come to him. You've got to surrender your heart, your heart to him. You've got to surrender your life to him. You have got to, you've got to come to him. He's there waiting. Yep. And if you don't know Christ, today's the day to find him. Yep. If you do know Christ and you've wandered away, today's the day to come back. Not tomorrow. You don't get well to go to the hospital and see the doctor. Yep. You don't undie to go to the funeral home to go talk to the mortician. Um. Today, there's there's no secret words. There's no magic prayer. There's nothing hidden in this Bible. The word is there. You have to cry out to Jesus. You have to let him know that you want him to be Lord and master of everything in your life. And, you know, just just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus not only loves you for who you are right now in whatever state of mind, whatever condition you're in, whatever phase or uh, season of life you're in, Jesus loves you just as much right now as he ever will. And he's willing to meet you. All you have to do is take the first step. His hand's waiting. All you've got to do is reach out and take it. It's just that simple. You're exactly right. So, <clears throat> guys, as we uh, as we get ready to close out, um, couple couple uh, housekeeping notes. So, um, once again, you can reach out to us at Thrive Evangelistic Ministry at gmail.com. Uh, we'd be more than happy to take your comments, your current concerns, your criticism, your quips, um, whatever. You know, if you're looking for someone to come speak. Um, Luke and I are, this is an evangelistic ministry. So we are, we are open to speak. We're hoping to speak somewhere. Well, that's the point. Um, that's what we're called to do. And that's what, um, you know, we'll take any opportunity, but you know, um, whether it's, uh, men and women together or just men, we, we want to meet you. We want to get to know your men's ministry. We want to kind of, you know, help you through your, any issues or problems and just see what your men are like and just have a conversation and, hopefully strengthen you and your, your encouragement to men's ministry and all that. But, um, then also Facebook and then here on Spotify and anchor, um, we're going to do that. So, uh, 
but what I'm going to do is we're going to pray us out, and then we will um, hopefully be back on Thursday rotation. Oh, Luke, guess one more thing. Before we do that, I just want to give a shout-out to my man, Sanchez Tanny Hill. Man, you introduced me to him a couple of weeks ago at an event that we went to, and um, he friended me up on Facebook, and I've been following him, and he sent me some words of encouragement along the way the last few weeks, couple weeks, two, three weeks now. And to, to if you don't know who Sanchez Tannehill is, I challenge you to find that guy, and you will see that you have nothing to, nothing to complain or whine about. So, so this, this wasn't planned. This wasn't planned. Um, Luke, shout out, actually, just, I mean, we hadn't been to any men's events or anything like that, but we do want to promote uh, a ministry or try to every week God that we did do it. this. So God did it ministries. Uh, Sanchez is a great guy. He's got a book out. He's, he, he's a worship singer. He's got a children's book out. Man, the Joker's throwing first pitches out at Barron's games. Um, which if you're in our neck of the woods, it's a minor league baseball team, but he's, he is the king of alabaster. I mean, he's everywhere. Um, so Ch- Sanchez Tannehill, God did it ministries, uh, great, great, awesome ministry. But what I'm going to tell I tell you what I'll do. Um, I will put the link for their website on, um, our description Click on it. They got some. It's got a really cool story. He's a really good dude. He books engagements to go speak. He's spoken for our youth at uh, South Shelby Baptist one time, and also he uh, he has some good merch. I've got um, I I think he gave out this bracelet, and he's got some cool shirts and stuff like that, and some cool hats. But he's Sam, just awesome, dude. He's 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 extremely positive, extremely happy, and you could tell that that the Holy Spirit is just firing through him. Yeah, he's one of those guys you can't be in a bad mood around him. Yeah, yeah. He yelled at us as we walked into <laughs> the, the men's ministry event a couple of weeks ago. But guys, know Sanchez. If you're listening to this, man, we we appreciate everything you're doing for the kingdom, brother, and we just uh, we hope and pray for your ministry and and everything that you've got going on. Um, but guys, we are going to close out in prayer and then, uh, hopefully we'll be back on Thursday rotation and routine, uh, this week. But then again, let's just call it Thursday ish, Thursday ish. Cause we're on Sunday right now. Yes. Yeah. Sorry about that guys. Um, so guys, let's go to prayer and, um, we'll uh, finish out. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the blessing and the opportunity of a conversation, uh, with a good, great friend and a brother in Christ with Luke. Um, these are tough topics to talk about because these are topics, topics that are scary. Um, they, we don't know who is going to get upset. We don't know who's going to get offended, but God, you control everything. You have this in your word for a reason and you have this in your word for, for the reason to glorify you. So God, we just pray that we, we have, we've done what we've needed to do. We've done for you. Um, and that's ultimately our goal. God, we pray that anybody that's listening that's not, uh, doesn't have you as their Lord and Savior, God, we just pray that they are reaching out, they are hitting their knees, they are, they are praying for you to come into their lives, and they're ultimately changed to be a, a man or woman of, of God. Uh, but God, we also pray for this ministry we just uh, promoted. We pray for uh, God did it ministries. We pray for everybody that's involved with that ministry. We pray for Sanchez and his growth and his ministry growth. God, we pray that Sanchez looks to where you're directing him and his ministry and uh, what you ha- would have him do next. And God, we just pray for success and glorifying the kingdom through that ministry. God, we thank you for everybody that's listening. We thank you for the podcast. We thank you for everything that we get to do to glorify your kingdom. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, y'all have a great week. Have a great, you know, finish, you know, go throughout the week strong. 
hit your Bible, hit, hit, hit everything hard, go praying to God hard, hitting your Bible, reading hard. And guys, all I can say, I'm a, hopefully I'll, I'd like to finish out like this for um, the rest of the time. Thrive on. That's right. Goodbye guys.